0: Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise from today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guests by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. At Content Allies, we turn you and your organization into industry thought leaders. We interview you and your leadership team and then turn those interviews into articles, white papers videos podcasts and social content learn more and say hello at contentallies.com all right kirk thank you for being on the show and i appreciate you taking the time i guess for everyone out there in the audience who doesn't know who you are can you uh, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, the company you work with
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm Kirk Harnack. Uh, I'm a broadcaster. I've been you know, on the air and fixed a lot of transmitters. But uh, for the last 15 years, uh, 16 years actually, I've worked with uh, the Telos Alliance, which is uh, one company uh, which has cr- grown quite a bit in the last uh, 10 years especially. Uh, Telos, I'll refer to it as Telos, even though it's a number of different, uh, uh, brands, uh, Telos, uh, builds audio equipment for broadcasters and also used in some allied fields, uh, podcasters, for example, use a lot of our gear and boy, Jake, I've had, uh, I've had like eight different titles with the company in fifteen years. So <laughs> as soon that as when i been
0: going through your LinkedIn, as, it's you've jumped around. <laughs> well,
1: as soon as they find something I'm good at, I think they'll they'll, they'll stick me with, stick me there. But I've always been involved in some kind of marketing. For the company, I started out as what I would call Omnia demo boy, you know, by by demonstrating a new audio processor. Uh, at the time, we had like zero percent market share. And you know, now we're, we've got you know the lion's share of all the business around the world in audio processors and progress there from a you know, very sales manager to international sales manager. But now um, I'm uh, in the marketing area. I'm I'm charged with telling our story uh, to uh, typically to engineers and station owners. Uh about how our equipment works and why it's a good choice for, for their application. So I'm, I'm a storyteller and pretty much in terms of, of video.
0: Okay. And so I'm um, curious, I mean, when you say you're a storyteller, like, what does that mean? I saw that you've got, you know, like the radio show and, you know, what, 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 I guess what all does that entail for you?
1: Well, it, it really, that's a great question. It, it entails a, a lot of branches on the tree. So we try to meet um, our customers, which again are typically engineers broadcast engineers, sometimes station owners, sometimes uh, program directors, you know, who want uh, a new audio processor. So they want to sound great on, on the dial, for example. And that's one of the things that we do. So we, there's a lot of ways to meet people. And as we know, no one way just works for everybody or perhaps even for the majority of your audience. So uh, we meet people, we try to meet them where they are. Hey, we do a lot of station visits in person, pressing the flesh, shaking hands, demoing equipment, we also meet people, of course, in a, maybe a, a venues that are uh, more efficient for that conventions. So we're at, we try to be at all the broadcast conventions, uh, again, pressing the flesh, shaking hands, making sure that uh, there's a real genuine face and a handshake and a caring attitude uh, toward our customers. Um, then, you know, the, all the electronic means, right? So we do a, a weekly email newsletter, pretty informative. Uh, a lot of times though, that newsletter points people to videos, that we've done or our dealers have done or even sometimes our customers have done. So we we gather, you know, creative content from wherever we can, whether it's generated by us or generated by our our customers uh, to just to share the story. And I think one of the most effective things that we do is, you know, so often a broadcast engineer, you know, he's the only he or she. But typically he, uh, you know, the only guy in the station doing that kind of work. Um, he's kind of isolated. It doesn't, uh, not, not that it doesn't get out much, but um, it, a lot of times ideas don't get shared you know, from one broadcaster to another. And there's the competitive thing going on too, right? So uh, when, when we can take a, an engineer and, and his or her application of our gear and how it made their life better, how it made their, the disc jockey's life better, how it made the station sound better, how it made the station more reliable, if we can take that and turn it into a story that we can tell – uh, with a blog post, a white paper, a, a presentation, or a video. Well, that's that's how we reach people, and that seems to work well as long as we're you know hitting hitting all the different ways. we put stuff on Facebook, on YouTube, um, and like I said, our email uh, email newsletters, plus all the in person type of visits. So, man, there's a lot of ways to reach people, and um, we do uh, we, we do repurpose things. So we try to generate content. So that it can be used in all these different formats and, and reach people that way.
0: Yeah, and so I'm curious. Um, you know, for for your guys' you know business, you're you're really like you said targeting a lot of broadcast engineers, and it, it, it seems like they're. I guess can, I, can you maybe kind of share? I guess like what is like the market that you're in in terms of is this something like for radio, is this something where there's growing, is there a set number of stations and it's a matter of just winning over market share from competition, like what, what does that look like?
1: Well, that's a great question and, and that's one that we do wrestle with. Um, you know, if you listen to some pundits, hey, remember back in the 80s video, killed the radio star, right? <laughs> and I remember back I remember back when eight track tapes were gonna kill radio, yeah, and then cassettes, and then MTV was gonna kill radio. And to be sure, in since the internet has really come on strong, Um, radio listening has declined a little tiny bit, although the most recent numbers show it's coming back up. So I I don't know, people got to get their news and information somewhere. But, and even though we think we're in the radio business, really, we're in the business of helping content creators. So most of the products that that, that the TELUS Alliance makes uh, are for any content creator, whether you're making video or podcasts or audio or IP video uh, or network news, whatever it may be. Um, we've got stuff that helps you. So um, uh, w- what's our audience? Well, in the most general sense, it's content creators. If you're creating content electronically with audio and or video, we probably have some tools that are going to be useful to you. And then I the, identi- I alluded to it earlier, identifying the decision maker, who needs to be persuaded that, you know, our stuff is what they need. Um, that's That's challenging because it's not always the engineer. And sometimes, hey, the engineer thinks, everything's just fine. We don't need a new this or a new that. But the program director storms in the office and says, hey, how come WXYZ sounds louder than we do today? What, what they, they really sound good. What What's, what's wrong with us? Um, and well, we're the same as we were, you know, a week ago and two years ago and five years ago. Well, maybe we need a new audio processor. Maybe we need to tweak up something in our audio chain. Maybe we need to get out of the analog realm and get into the all digital from end to end realm. So, there, there's people to uh, persuade, hey, lately, lately, Jake, we've been working on showing business managers and general managers of broadcast stations how moving from traditional uh, talk show phone lines from the phone company, and a lot of times these are those high volume uh, they're called choke circuits. So you know uh, it doesn't overload the phone company. Um, moving away from that technology, which is you know, sixty years old or more, moving into SIP and VoIP technology and looking at the ROI, the return on investment of that. So not only are we talking to engineers and programmers, we're also talking to people who write the checkbooks and say, would you like to save literally 1000 thousand, twelve hundred, 1200 maybe $2,000 every single month on your phone bill? Well, we can show you how to do that. And, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's another person we've got to reach with our story.
0: Nice. And so, I mean, it sounds like you've got, a you know, quite a few different markets and you were just kind of talking about like a lot of the content you're creating, kind of the net you're casting there. I'm curious, I mean, how much, um, in terms of where you guys focus your business, how much of it are you doing is, you know, direct sales of trying to reach out and get in front of people? How much of this is actually coming from content and, you know, pulling in inbound inquiries and like, well, what does that look like? And I mean, what, and is any one area more successful or do they all complement each other for you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. And and, and something that another something that we wrestle with, because the way our company works, we, we don't sell much of anything direct to the end user. We work through a network of dealers and that's both a, a traditional thing. And and um, even though we've tried to dabble in selling direct, um, it, it most broadcasters go through their local dealer. Hey, there, there's language uh, issues in, you know, in, in lots of countries. Uh, our dealers all tend to speak English plus. The, their native language, wherever they are, uh, a, a local dealer will know more about the local laws and regulations and 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 just what's peculiar to that market. So we typically don't sell direct, and that means we're selling through dealers, and that means our outreach is is uh, interesting, and we don't always get great feedback on it right away. We can't we can't do a campaign and immediately measure its effectiveness. Um, so we have, I always, uh, When I was sales manager, I always point out we have this big elastic thing between our efforts and our sales numbers, and that's the dealer network. Now, one thing we can do is we, we market to our dealers uh, almost as much as we market to end users. So we want to persuade dealers, hey, this is the new great thing. Here's the marketing message about it. You may want to tweak it for your market. Uh, can we produce anything that would help you in particular? So, for example, a, a lot of our videos uh, have multi languages in, uh, in the in the in um, the um, uh, captions. So, when we do a new product video, something to be watched around the world. We try to do it. I mean, in in Arabic and and French and German and uh, Spanish, of course, and uh, we even have some with uh, Chinese uh, s- subtitles. So uh, um, th- that, that bit of elasticity, the dealer network does make it difficult to measure stuff. So we just kind of have to go by our gut. It, does this look effective? And then, you know, when we do press the flesh, when we meet people at shows, we do get feedback on how effective our, our stuff is people. I mean, it's, it's very complimentary. It's very nice to hear people tell me, Kirk, I love your videos. Uh, I, I love, you know, I, I learned all about this product or that product. Uh, Hey, your, your Christmas message was hilarious, you know, that kind of thing. So it's good to get that kind of feedback. And we can see numbers on Facebook and YouTube to see how many people have watched it. Whether those turn into sales, well, we don't always know right away. But we do what feels right.
0: Yeah, that seems like a, a challenging thing to measure from from your end of just, yeah, like you said, having that whole elastic thing in the middle of the dealer. And so, I mean, for you, uh, it's like running sales and marketing. I mean, like what metrics are you even <coughs> measuring? Like how are you evaluating Success or growth or, you know, what kind of um, numbers are you guys consistently looking at?
1: You know, we we do. um, I know that we use HubSpot and there's another uh, service or two that our social media experts uh, use. So we, we get, you know, all the information on click throughs and things like that from social media that helps tell us the interest level, certainly, of what we're putting out there. But. We don't we don't see how that relates directly to sales. We we can't see that directly. We have to we have to just proxy that through. Okay, well, uh, you know, six months, nine months, a year, two years later. Hey, I just ran into a customer, great friend, and he he uses a number of our products, but there's one product line that he has staunchly not used ever, and we've been marketing. Yeah, you know, I know he's seen our marketing for that product line for years now. And after hearing and seeing our company CEO talk about the future of this product line, this friend of mine, this broadcast engineer said, you know what? I'm switching. I'm finally convinced I'm switching because the product I've been using doesn't have a forward vision like you guys do. And he says, and I'll, and I'll learn it because there's a big learning curve with this product. He says, I'll learn how to use it. I'll, I'll end up forgetting you know the way that the other guys worked. I'll find out how your product works and I am definitely switching to it. It took years. Uh, uh <laughs> um and persuading someone, you know, against their will uh, a bit, that 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 takes something. So, uh I'm I'm glad that happened and I don't know what well, I I I do know the last the straw that broke his camel's back was um hearing our CEO talk at a convention.
0: Yes, that's incredible. So it seems like for what you're saying is that uh, the sales for you are they're not the most straightforward. It seems like a lot of layers of things building on top of it, and that so it seems like very difficult for you guys really to measure any specific efforts. I mean that the or how things are necessarily working. And I guess so. I mean, with that, I mean, how do you how do you then decide where you're going to put your marketing efforts? Are you guys just kind of throwing stuff against a wall and just trying to see how things work and just try to evaluate based off of your gut? Or how, how do you make decisions on where to put your your marketing dollars or your energy?
1: Boy, um, a few years ago, we took a very interesting decision um, that uh, uh, a few people have had second thoughts about. We're, we're, uh, and well, that decision was, we're going to stop all of our industry print advertising. And we're going to take that money, which was pretty significant, And put that into, um, not just social media, but put that into an idea uh, based on that book called Utility, Y-O-U-Tility. And I'm sorry, I forget the author's name. You probably know it. I've got a copy of it on on the shelf over here somewhere. And the idea being that we're going to quit beating our chest bragging about ourselves. But instead, we're going to provide contents, tips and tricks and ideas and thoughts and future visions. For our customers and yeah it's going to have our branding name on there somewhere people going to know it comes from telos but we're going to bring you stuff that's really useful to your life you know an ad well an ad may be useful but a lot of folks just look at it as an ad i'm being marketed to and you know some subconscious defensive shields go up every time you see an ad or read an ad or hear an ad so we decided to move into this utility realm i thought it was exactly the right way to go uh, we've gotten a little bit of feedback that has told us, well, maybe we do need to be in print ads a bit. Uh, one of our competitors, when we got out of the print ad business, um, one of our competitors just just took over. And so <laughs> there's some industry magazines that absolutely look like they're owned by our competitor. We decided to put some money back into some print advertising. Um, I'm not sure if we were guilted into that. If we if we feel it's effective. If some customers said, "Are you guys still around? I don't see you in X magazine anymore." Uh, so there is that you know one of our back one of our biggest expenses and it's huge is going to the big national convention the the NAB National Association of broadcasters convention in Las Vegas it's every April and every broadcast equipment company that's anybody and and another new media too shows up there I mean everything from satellite trucks to 360 degree you know spherical cameras to uh, you know web tools to broadcast audio consoles, antennas, towers, everything. It's all there. Drones, drones are huge there. Well, um, we have thought so much about what if we just didn't show up one year? What if our booth was simply some pretty girls handing out tickets to go to a hospitality booth of ours somewhere else? You know, what if we could save a half million dollars and not go? And, you know, man, it's, it's so tempting. And yet we just feel like, ugh, Can't do that because they're, well, what happened to Telos? Are they still in business? So it's, it's almost a fear thing that, that, that drives that one of our hugest expenses. And that, that is one that we really wrestle with every single year. Now we've kind of doubled down. We've gotten good looking booths and, and we, we, uh, we've gotten more efficient. I think every year we're actually spending a little bit less money, um, but we have a, a booth design now that is so effective and clean and beautiful. And we can, you know what, here's a thought, because I, I know a lot of people listening to this participate in some kind of convention, either a tabletop thing or a 10 by 10 booth or something larger. I think ours is typically 30 by 40 or 40 by 50 feet. Um, when, even though people may come there to diddle the knobs, try out the latest gear, what they really want to do is have a conversation. That seems to be that they want to have a conversation. So our, our booth design now has morphed into less equipment. Certainly anything new we've got, anything that's been new in the last few years we've got there, but we're spending more time with tables and chairs, a couple sofas, um, uh, cappuccino, some, some crackers, things like that. So we can sit down and have a conversation with people, um, cause they're here. There let's 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 gather everybody together and, and have this. So that's but that's been a big change for us. We used to try to stick every one, one copy of everything we made was in the booth and we're not in that direction anymore.
0: Ah, that's interesting and I mean how well how, how is that received you know from the audience going out there or <coughs> you know are they wanting to see more or is that leading to more conversations, more relationships for you and I guess also how do you even um, are you able to evaluate the, you know, the real ROI of this conference as well? You said it's one of your biggest expenses. Um, yeah, I'm just curious if, you know, how, how you're able to even see if this does, you know, deliver for you.
1: The best, the best and only feedback we really get is, is what do our customers, uh, say, um, you know, during and after the meeting and, and what kind of a meeting do we get to have? So we just, uh, a couple months ago, or I'm sorry, last in September, we attended and displayed at the IBC international broadcasters convention in Amsterdam. And we, we took this new tack there where, where we had two meeting tables and lots of chairs. In fact, we didn't even, we still didn't have enough chairs and broadcasters who traveled as from as, you know, as far away as, as China, Japan, uh, uh, uh New Zealand, for example, all the way to Amsterdam, um, they wanted to set up meetings. So we our salespeople and and we had a couple of days where we had some real technical leaders from our company attending there. Um, it was meeting after meeting after meeting uh, where we could look face to face, talk about issues, problems, wants, needs, desires, uh, what should go in this piece of equipment? How come this feature hasn't been added yet? Here's a problem that this customer is having. And so it was really a, a meeting space. We We almost could have, you know, Instead of, instead of displaying at the convention we could have you know gotten a, a hotel conference room uh, and or divided it up and, and had several meetings there you know um, that so that seemed to be very very valuable and that's the kind of meeting that persuades some of the big sales and persuade somebody who was thinking about going a different direction because they were having an issue or a problem or they felt like they their voice wasn't being heard you know now their voice is heard not only by the salesperson but also by the company technical leadership like uh, we have a guy who's Title, believe it or not, is our chief science officer, and he's, he's into the science of everything we do. So he was there. Um, uh, and that, that seemed to be a really uh, – helped to be an effective use of our money there uh, on site at the convention.
0: Okay, nice. And then so another thing you've kind of brought up a few times, I mean, is, is that tell us you guys are marketing internationally. You have clients and customers all over the world. And so I'm curious, I mean, what challenges does being an international company create for you? In terms of all aspects, I guess of marketing, you know, I'm just even from like website to the content that you're putting out there, and I guess how do you overcome all of those?
1: And that 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 persistently is a, a challenge. Although the website, our website is is all in English. We don't offer any other languages there. Now, many of our dealers, uh, we well, I, great answer to your question. Um, as many assets on our website as we possibly can, we make easily and conveniently available to our dealers. So a lot of our dealers around the world uh, have terrific, beautiful photographic images uh, of our products. They translate our English product descriptions and features and specs into their local language. And so there are a number of dealers who just have gorgeous websites. I mean, they want to sell our gear. They profit from it, right? So mm-hmm. they're motivated to take our assets. So the, the we don't have the internal resources to do different language websites. So our dealers do that and we try to make it as easy as possible for them to get that done. And then, you know, dealers are always, uh, uh, our dealer network, we typically have one dealer per country. And, uh, you know, a lot of dealers know that if, if they're not performing, we may you know be talking to somebody else in that country to, to move our products. So there's motivation there for the dealers to, Provide that last mile of communications in the local language. Um, our, our our dealer in in, in China they've uh, they've done a lot of uh, translating of of videos and and putting uh, and and brochures and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have a dealer that's actually in Miami who serves a lot of Latin American countries, and they have their own video department. They take ideas that we do, and they make their own videos uh, about our products in Spanish, and it's it's a, that's a great outreach. Sometimes we. They're so good. The videos look even though I don't understand the Spanish being spoken. Uh the videos are so good. We put them we we regurgitate those on our website or on our YouTube channel or put them on Facebook cuz it's it's fun. It's fun to watch somebody speaking excitedly about our products in a different language. I think I know what he's saying, but I'm not sure.
0: That's awesome. That's uh that's incredible that you've, you know, that's a great system you guys have where you don't have to do all the international marketing and the dealers kind of handle that for you. That seems like a a great setup to have that probably lowers your guys costs quite a bit. So
1: Yeah, and now remember, we we give up a percentage, and it is I'm not at liberty to say what the percentage is, but it's a significant percentage that we you know of a discount that the dealer gets. If we sold direct, right, we wouldn't we wouldn't lose that 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 uh, percentage that we have to discount to the dealers. Um, But what do we get in return for that? Well, we we get that all that local marketing, and a lot of times, you know, I know a lot of times, uh, not that we forget about that, but we don't really take that as as strong as we should un- until we really start thinking about oh gosh what are we going to lose if we if we market directly so our, our dealer networks in good shape and uh, and and we're not getting rid of uh, of any of them unless they're
0: not performing yeah, that makes sense that's it's uh, that's an awesome structure you have and so I'm curious also you know uh, you've talked about a bunch of the things that have worked really well for you um, actually one of the things I'm curious to hear on you you said you you said you started the radio show I think it was uh, this week in radio technology um, that you've been a host of and so I'm curious you know Um, how that panned out for you or how, like how that has worked out or, you know, just what that kind of strategy has been like and how successful that's been for you.
1: You know, I, I do the show this week in radio tech. Uh, it's, we do it every week except the weeks that we don't. Once in a while we'll have a guest that (laughs) has a, once in a while the guest has a trouble, has a a Skype trouble. Uh, back last week, our, our guest was at his office at a university and, oh, university, uh, firewalls are notorious for just not letting anything through. And so Skype, you can't Skype out of this university at all. So anyway, rescheduled him. Um, So I wouldn't do that show. It's an hour-long weekly video and plus audio podcast about radio engineering technology, which now is starting to include video, right? Because a lot of radio stations are doing videos. We cover streaming, RF transmission, towers, tower technology, regulations. Uh, We cover a lot of studio stuff, microphones, consoles. Um, Yesterday, (laughs) we did a show yesterday and... We were actually kind of talking about, please excuse the word, tower porn, right? <laughs> <laughs> because, hey, some people think towers are beautiful. I'm one of them. Yeah, I, I look at a beautiful sunset, a skyline, and a hillside, and there's a communications tower there, and I just go, wow, that looks great. Now, I know I'm kind of weird, but uh, <laughs> so there's, the, there, there's a guy, Scott uh, Thibush, and his wife, Lisa. They every year publish the tower calendar. Um, and, and so we did a whole show with Scott and Lisa about the tower calendar, where the pictures come from, who takes them. And, uh, one year, uh, I had a tower. Actually, I was up on a tower. I took a picture of an FM antenna, FM transmitting antenna. Uh, and this was in Pongo Pongo, American Samoa. So, you know, the Bay, the Pacific ocean, the mountains, it all looks so beautiful. And that picture was featured in, in a calendar once upon a time. So, um, uh, so you asked about the podcast. I do the podcast because I enjoy it. I love, I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't and couldn't do it if I didn't like just doing it. So in a sense, I do it for free. Now, honestly, I don't make much money. I cover my expenses and uh, and I, I pay uh, my co-hosts who are on the show. They get a, a small stipend for every show that they're on. But, um, uh, and we, we have some sponsors. We, we've sold three sponsorships. Uh, my network actually, the network I'm on gets a couple of those. I get one of those to keep for myself. And um, I just enjoy you know, exploring a subject. It, it's an hour I get to talk with another engineer about his or her passion in broadcast engineering. And w- when I invite somebody to be on the show, they say, OK, but w- what's the topic? I said, the topic is whatever you're passionate about in broadcast engineering. So if you just love the emergency alert system and those stupid duck fart tones that go on the air and alert people that there's a tornado coming, we'll talk about that. But if your passion is making sure that you, the bolts on your tower aren't rusted, fine. We'll talk about that. Uh, usually we end up talking about uh, some of the, the, you know, the latest technology, audio over IP. We do a lot of that. Um, so we've done 321 episodes now. It's been on the air for – on the air. It's been on the web for uh, I guess about seven no, – I started – you know what? I think I started the show in 2008, so that's eight years. We took one summer off, but other than that, it's been about eight, eight years. That's incredible. Um,
0: I mean, I, or is that also like just contributing to networking for you and building more relationships with dealers or even in customers? Is that kind of added benefits to that or?
1: You know, I, I, um, my employer, Telos, is, is uh, actually two of the three sponsors uh, on the show. Um, and I appreciate very much that they're supporting the show. Um, I, I, I do the show for me. Because, I mean, I, I'd love to tell you I'm completely altruistic, but, you know, I'm I'm, I'm selfishly altruistic. I, I, I do it to get my face, my name out there, but I also do it to learn. I mean, I honestly, I mean, so many shows, my reaction to what somebody says is, wow, I did not know that. Tell me more about that. Because I, I know enough about broadcast engineering to have a conversation. But there's, you know, other people are so much more expert at details than I am. So, I bring that out of people. I learn myself. And I figure, honestly, I'm just really typical in terms of experience level in a broadcast engineer. If I'm learning, then my audience is learning, too. If I find it interesting, then probably most of my audience is, too. And so I, I you know, try not to bloviate. I'm sure some people think I am. But uh, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, I, I do the show for me and hope that everybody likes it. How about that?
0: No, ah, it's a good approach. I mean, it's a similar mentality that I've always had with podcasting as well is, uh, you know, if I'm interested and I'm learning things from it, then I'm assuming that the audience is as well. So it's kind of an a benefit, but there's always those, you know, kind of selfish benefits that come from it as well. So, um, okay. So I'm curious also, you know, just for you, like, what is a day like in your shoes look like? You know, what is it that you're typically doing? Are you managing kind of different aspects of the marketing? Like, what does a typical day in your shoes look like?
1: Boy, uh, it, and it has changed. Like so I said, I've had eight different titles at the TELUS Alliance, eight different job responsibilities. In in my current job, um, I have I have no direct reports. So I have no employees that report to me. Uh, I report to the director, the overall director of marketing and um, and also to the uh, vice president of uh, marketing and, and sales. So we discuss the priorities. Uh, to answer your question, most of my day is coming up with content that I find... Uh, helpful, if it's again, if it's helpful to me, it's probably helpful to others. So that's most of the content that I come up with. Um, I right now I'm working on a return on investment, an ROI story for uh, one of our telephony products. So um, my day consists of researching, writing, sometimes being in front of a camera and doing video stories, um, sometimes going out in the field like uh, I'm gonna do a video version of this ROI paper. And so I'm thinking of venues. Where should I go to uh, to shoot some video? Should I stand in front of a bank? Should I try to get into a telephone switching office? Should no, they would because this is against telephone. Maybe I should go into a, a VoIP provider's office. Um, uh, should I shoot it in a radio station or just shoot it at my desk? So there's just decisions about right now about you know what what content is going to be believable, is going to offer some um, gravitas to the message. And uh, and what's going to be the most effective message that's not only going to help our sales, but it's also what engineers uh, n- need to know right now.
0: Okay. Awesome. That makes sense. And then I'm curious, I mean, so for all of this content creation, the marketing, the different aspects that you guys are doing, I mean, how much of this are you all handling in-house? Do you kind of hire and build internal resources for? And I mean, how much of you know your guys' marketing do you actually – uh, outsource to external vendors or pull in external support or help for?
1: Mm. Well, we, we do do most of it in, internally. We have a full-time graphics guy. Oh, man, he knows what font to use. Everything he turns out just looks like, <laughs> wow, you, I wrote that, but you made it pretty. looks great. So we have a graphics guy. Um, we have a uh, uh, social media specialist. He typically writes all the posts that go there. Uh, we have a full-time person who uh, writes brochures, writes copy, tries to figure out the best marketing, uh, the best you know, wordsmithing, right, to, to use to, uh, to market something. Are, are we talking about things that people care about? I mean, it may have this feature and that feature. I mean, but do people care if if the car has you know computer-driven ashtrays? Probably not. So we're going to talk about what people care about. Um, what, the things that we do outsource, and I'm I'm glad you asked us. It makes me think about it here. We we outsource the beauty photography of our products. because we, we, There's a guy in Cleveland, Ohio that just makes every one of our products look like, oh, wow, I gotta have, that is sexy. I gotta have that. Uh, we do outsource some of our video production, the higher end stuff that that uh, either I don't have time to do or don't have the skills to do. Uh, we, we farm that out to a company uh, here in Nashville, where I live. Uh, also, we've done some location shooting where the shots that we wanted um, are more sophisticated and pretty than what I can really do just with a tripod and, and, and a Canon 70D uh, DSLR camera. So we have hired out uh, professional cinematographers to, to shoot, and the results have been really, really nice. Beautiful. Uh, we also do hire out uh, uh, occasionally blog writing uh, and article writing. Sometimes we'll do full length articles that uh, uh, we'll put on our own blog site and we'll also shop them to the industry trades. Uh, written by an outside person. I mean, they'll have an outside writer's byline on them, but it'll be a, a, a review and or a use case of our product. So yeah, we we farm that kind of stuff out. Of course, the design of our uh, trade show booth that that's you know that's done by the company that provides the trade show booth. So okay, yeah, and yeah, we do we do farm a lot out.
0: Nice, that makes sense. Um, and now I remember, yeah, that's uh, the video production is actually how we met many years ago. Um, Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah. You were the, you were the video producer that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was quite a while ago. That's how we met uh, way back in the day. So, (laughs) um, yeah. And so, and and then, I mean, when you guys are outsourcing kind of like the blog content or anything like that, is that like, is that a challenge for you to find writers that can write technically or to the types of products? Is that a very specialized writers or is that a challenge or?
1: That that sure is yeah we've got a, a couple of writers in, uh, that we use because they've been in the business long enough and they, they understand how to write about it. We still do have to I mean typically a a an outside writer who's writing a, a, a use case they'll still have a conversation with me or one of the other product specialists at our company to to really understand hey what questions do I ask this user uh, but what, once they have you know the basic bullet points then then they they run with it after that and and typically need little. Or, or no uh, editing from our team, our internal team after that. You know, we've got a few customers who are just fantastic at, um, uh, at writing articles as well. I'll drop a name here. Uh, Leo Laporte at the twitch.tv network is one of our customers. He's got a, a phone system that he uses to do his weekend, uh, uh, the tech guy show. And we asked him, can you write a little uh, blurb about how you like your phone system? For putting callers on the air, man, he wrote a beautiful article because he gets it. He he gets all all the tech stuff.
0: That's kind of the best stuff. Uh, Articles written by your customers. That's uh, can't ask for anything better. (laughs) Awesome, Um, cool. So then, I guess you know what is on the horizon for Telos. I mean, you guys seem to be growing, gaining more market share pretty rapidly. It sounds like, and just made leaps and bounds since you joined. Um, I mean, what is on the horizon, and what's your your plans for growth in the future?
1: Well, our CEO really talked about this at a recent convention, and uh, I think we're going to find more and more uh, our company doing things that are in the cloud, whether or not you, you particularly like that, uh, that expression, it really just means somebody else's computer. Uh, <laughs> but so, for example, it, it's coming the, the day when a broadcaster says, you know what, I, I may not need all this equipment in my office. I can actually build a radio station in the cloud. I can have my music library there. I can actually interact live with the assets that are in the cloud. I can actually bring in network newscasts every hour uh, uh, into my automation system or my playout system that lives in the cloud. I can actually take phone calls from callers who are calling a a seven or 10-digit number, but I'm answering them by clicking a button on a web interface that they're actually getting answered in the cloud. So uh, and, and then, hey, if you're streaming anyway, you, well, you're, you're already there at some data center, right, to, to put, put your stream out. And if you want to send that audio to your transmitter site, uh, you know, we have more and more ways of doing that that are absolutely pristine quality. We're not talking MP3 here. We're talking about really pristine bit for bit quality uh, that shows up at your transmitter site to put your traditional you know, terrestrial signal on AM or FM or whatever it may be. So uh, th- there's technologies coming down the road that will just look more and more cloud-based. And we're already doing this with, with BBC, for example. Uh, BBC is, has this huge project that they've been undertaking where they're getting a lot of the equipment out of their small-town stations uh, dotted all over uh, England and moving that infrastructure into London. Now, they still have live presenters in the small towns and they still have microphones and they have audio consoles, but those audio consoles are all connected to back ends that are that are in in London, and it's all and it's all redundant, you know. And if if you know one place blows up or has a problem, then they uh, they can go on the air by by redundant means. So I think we'll see a lot more of that. And Telos is right right in that mix. Uh, we we developed a lot of that technology that BBC is using, and uh, and cloud technology is is on the way too. So I think that's where we're going.
0: And so for you, I mean, how do you how do you have to share that story or what challenges does that create for you or what new things does tell us have to do as you kind of move toward that new direction?
1: Boy, that, that's a question I guess you can't answer until you're there. We, uh, I had a conversation with the, the fellow who founded our company, Steve Church. Steve passed away about, about three or four years ago. But um, um, we were we were talking at a convention one time and, and Steve said, well, why are you posting these things on Facebook? And I said, well, Steve, it's the it's the third largest country in the world. And I, it just seems like a good place to be. Well, OK, I didn't know it was the third largest country in the world if it was a country. So we, that that just what I mean by that is we do, we got to be where people are, where our audience is. And, you know, if that you know, if if theater based movies made a resurgence, we'd be running, you know, advertisements or trailers at the beginning of movies. Right. Like people like companies used to do. Uh, or maybe still do run run ads at at the movie house. Uh I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know that people want to be entertained and touched and receive good information without feel like they're feeling like they're being sold to. People people like to buy, but they they don't necessarily like to be sold.
0: Yeah, that is uh that is a great nugget right there and absolutely it seems like you guys are really living that in everything you do and the way you're Approaching the marketing and actually how you've got the whole company structured with dealers and everything where you just get to create useful content for everybody and it seems like that's that's been working out for you.
1: That, that, well, that is our goal and our mantra and, and uh, uh, I, I do think it has worked out well for us. Again, we anybody can beat their chest and tell you how great they are. We have the best this and the best that. Well, fine. But how many times in our life have we heard that and how many times do we disbelieve it or discount the rest of the message? when it's overshadowed by by the best this or that. So this notion of utility, YOU utility, uh, it's all about giving your customer useful information that they can use and that they know where it comes from. I mean you almost don't have to put your logo on there although we do. Oh. They, they 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 appreciate yeah it people don't and also, you know, we know all about our products, right? But customers, people they don't they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that sounds trite, but it's so true. So, you know, we, we try to keep up with our customers' birthdays and how the kids doing. And, and uh, you know, did, did your wife get out of the hospital? Luckily, our business is, is not mass market. It's small enough to where we can have those conversations with our customers sometimes. And that, that's got to, that's, you know, when we're, when we're pressing the flesh or wishing somebody happy birthday on, on Facebook. Uh, I always think that's useful and and helpful.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's incredible. So, Kirk, um, for everyone out there, if they want to just you know learn more about you or find out more about Telos online, where should they go to look?
1: Well, the, the Telos website is Telos Alliance, That's T E L O S and so that's easy to find. Uh, we have products for you know lots of different things in radio and and television audio too. Um, and so there's, you know, by the way, if you, if you enjoy any of the Olympic coverage on NBC, all the audio that you hear is being touched by our gear. We do this, this, uh, surround sound mixing. If the venue where something's going on is happening, uh, and, and they only had one mic there. Well, you know, we are able to make that into believable surround sound. We do all kinds of things for sports broadcasting, things like that for television. If you ever hear a caller on a radio station, um, calling into a talk show or making a request or whatever it may be, probably that's about an 85% chance they're, they're talking through our gear stuff that we invented. Um, uh, if you ever listen to a, uh, a web stream and guess what? The audio sounds good all the time instead of just some of the time, it's probably uh, going through, through our gear. So that's, that's, that's a lot of what we do. So tell us, com And then uh, me, uh, uh, I'm on you know LinkedIn and Facebook, happy to make friends with, uh, with, with folks and, and um, uh, Kirk Harnack, I'm the only Kirk Harnack in the world, so that's uh, awesome. I'm, I'm not hard. I'm not hard to find. It's, it's funny when, when uh, you know it's a spammer when they said we've been trying to reach you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> now I'm not hard to get hold of. <laughs> nice, well, up,
0: oh. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, the only Kirk Harnack, and hey, I'm the only Jake Jorgovin, So uh, really, share well, the hey, uniqueness. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, we're in the club. Okay. Wouldn't that, hey, wouldn't that be a great idea? A social club for people that have a name unique enough where they're the only one in the world.
0: That's true. That, is, uh, be, um, that would be good.
1: <laughs> I, that, there, there's something you and I should do right there.
0: The, the Solo Namers Club, we'll call it. I like it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. SNC. Solo <laughs> Namers Club. Awesome. <laughs> all right, Jake. Well, Kirk, thank you again for taking the time. This has been awesome. I learned a ton of valuable stuff, so I appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to do the interview.
1: It's been my pleasure too. Thanks for thanks for uh, reaching out to me, Jake, and uh, I hope your audience en- enjoys what we had to say.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find links and show notes from today's episode at leadersofb2b. dot com.